Hello and you're very welcome to episode 32 of uh, season two of the Two Hands on the Hero podcast. Uh, I'm your host Robbie Mansfield and I'm joined by uh, Mr. TJ Mills. How's it going TJ? Good thanks Robbie and yourself? Well I'm not too good now to be honest after uh, witnessing Dublin losing their first game in seven years you know it's, it's kind of hard to process really. Yeah no it's yeah I have the song stuck in my head all day actually and yeah. What song? Goes, uh, the green and red of mayo. Uh, <laughs> I know. Sorry. Too soon, man. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. I know. It's not. It's not nice. I mean, uh, you could have seen in the banks of my own lovely Lee after last week, so I retracted yeah. back. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It was we be chanting in a minute, but geez, it was a weird game. It was a really weird game. Like it was um, completely didn't go with the cards. But I know to be fair, Robbie Dublin were great champions to go undefeated for. Um, what's it seven year and yeah. six in a row as well I mean and um, you have to give yeah, they, gave it, they gave it everything I think that's all you can really ask for you know? yeah and at the final whistle the way they congratulated Mayo as well shows the sign of true champions so you have to win like champions and you have to lose like champions as well so uh, great credit yeah. to Dublin there cool so uh, on that note we'll kick on Um so we'll just go maybe kind of straight into the game, really, because it's the kind of big talking point, really. So where do you think that uh, Mayo won it or Dublin lost it? I think where Dublin lost it was, um, it's. I remember saying it in a previous episode about the league game against Kerry, and I didn't like the the way Dublin went about it. I mean, the game was in the melting pot. Um, it was a draw game at, or sorry, I think, yeah, Kerry were three points down and then got in for a goal. But what I didn't like was the holding up of the play, passing around. It just didn't seem like Dublin. Honestly, genuinely didn't seem like Dublin. Um, yeah, you you do that try drive to defence, take a score. But, I mean, holding on to possession for, what, the bones of a minute and a half to two minutes. The danger you're running then is the the play being turned over now it didn't really happen against Kerry that day but against Wexford they struggled against Meat they struggled for patches in that game and against Kildare as well and it just wasn't the sign of the team that um Jim Gavin had there now there could be question marks but it'd be Stephen Cluxon factor I don't think that washes because Evan Comfort's after having a good year. There was a few iffy points today. But I just don't think Dublin had the composure at the end that they would have had in previous years to see it out. I mean, 10 points to four at half time. Listening to Colin O'Rourke, I would have agreed with him. It, it was looking like Mayo could not emerge out for the second half. The game was over. You'd expect Dublin to at least kick over another seven or eight points easily. And they just didn't do that. And it was the complete opposite. Uh, Mayo outscored them, what was it, um, What 17 points to 14? And it was 10 yeah. to 4. I mean, it, it, for Mayo to outscore Dublin the way they did, it was kind of unheard of. I mean, no one would have taken that in. Um, and I just think Dublin just didn't have the composure, Robbie. I think that's where the game was lost. And James Horan showed real balls as well to take off as captain Aidan O'Shea. I mean, that really summed it up. Aidan O'Shea was having a poor game. And Mayo really kind of upped their ante after that because you take off a serious player, it makes the players on the field around them kind of take notice and say, here, we don't up our ante. We could be on the sideline beside them. And I think that was a big telling point in the game as well. It was a big gamble. And if Mayo didn't win today, there could be question marks about James Horn taking off Aidan O'Shea. But he done it and Mayo kicked on from there. Yeah, uh, fair play to him. They battled for everything and they, they just kept coming at Dublin and... You know, once they got ahead there an extra time, they were fairly comfortable. Dublin, you know, as you're saying, weren't very composed. I think overall, the kind of the strength of the Dublin panel is not what it used to be. Um, there was like, like, there was no one really on the bench to come on. They said, right, they're going to come on and change the game or get you a couple of, couple of scores. Um, 
to try and keep just that little bit ahead like in normal time and then there was like at the end Dublin were messing around with the ball on their own goal line and ended up yeah. giving away the 45 and then uh, Mayo stuck it over the bar at the second attempt um, what did you make of the, the refereeing today there's a lot of people saying you know there was a lot of bad decisions made by the referee uh, going all sorts of different directions um, definitely in normal time maybe not in in the extra time, but uh, what did you think of the, the? And I'm not saying that um, he was anti-Dublin or anything like that. It was um, he gave probably Dublin the rub the green really in, in a lot of uh, situations. So it was not like we're I'm going to blame the ref at him. But do you think overall the refereeing was was up to a good standard or no? Um, it's hard to say because a uh, fair play, Robbie, because there were a few questionable decisions he made. Like there were some incidents and. I mean, to be question marks about the black card, what's a black card and what's not a black card? To be fair, there was a couple of incidents where Dublin players could have picked up black cards, say the same for Mayo. And I mean, in the likes of that, I mean, there were a point made in the commentary on television and it's very fair that a referee only has one chance to make a decision. It isn't like there's a TMO there or a VAR or something like that. That's where you would expect the lines people to step up. Um, and But to be fair, it was a weird game and that could, could, it could account for some weird refereeing decisions as well. If I was... It's easy saying that as a neutral because you don't really have any... What would you say? You don't have really anything in the game, but um, yeah, for Mayo or Dublin, I say to be some question marks. Not so much with Mayo because they claimed the victory, but um, I think I think he fluffed a couple of the decisions. I won't lie to you. Um, and there's a few. I won't even try and name them because there's a few of them. There, there be question marks over. Being honest. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose the kind of questions turn to the um, the Tyrone and Kerry situation, and Tyrone have they've pulled out of the ne- of uh, next week's game, saying they're not able to field the team. Do you think the the GA should intervene further, or should they just um, let the cards fall fall where they are now? Um, like was uh, Sligo last year, were were out of the championship, didn't even get to play a game. Um, so do you think that the GA have to kind of stick to their guns now, or do you think that they'll intervene because it's such a high level game? It's it's a real tough one for the GA, Robbie, because if they're staying consistent, they can't give Tyrone what they want. I mean, with the press release that Tyrone came out with today, it done not only put pressure on the GA and then the assistant manager for uh, sorry, the co manager for Tyrone came out and stated that they wanted to fulfil the fixture, but they couldn't next week. Now, looking at it in the context of being involved in management, if you didn't have preparation going into, a say, a county semi-final or an all-earned semi-final, you just couldn't fulfil it. I mean, it wasn't um, any recklessness or anything on the Tyrone part. I mean, it's a, we're in a pandemic and I mean, they are cases where they, they are situations where cases will develop into panels. And I mean, going by public health guidelines, you have no choice only if you're close contact or you have a case, you have to isolate. So that means that you cannot stir out of your bedroom for 14 days or is it 10 days in Northern Ireland? I think 10 days in um, Great Britain. So it'd be 10 days in Northern Ireland. So that that's two weeks of training you're going to be missing. Um, like where there might be some slight pressure on the GA to give Tyrone their request. I won't say give in is Kerry supporters aren't happy. And there's a couple of former players that are speaking out the likes of Kieran Donaghy. And I saw Tomas O'Shea um, speaking out as well that Kerry would be going into the contest without a game. And that's what you don't want either you need a competitive game going into an all-ireland um and yeah it's it's a real messy situation it, it should have been something with all the guidelines and protocols the ga would have having in place that they would have having some system that now it's easy saying that when you're not directly involved that you have no skin in the game but 
to, I mean, it'd be very unfair for Tyrone not being able, not being given the opportunity to play the game. And it's not fair on Kerry either to go into an all earned final, no matter who they're playing. Um, because after today, no one would really want to face Mayo, in all fairness. I know we're kind of commenting, I commented off air that uh, Mayo wouldn't have that great a record over Kerry. But still, after taking the scalp they did today, Kerry would really need a competitive game going into that. And if Tyrone were to fulfil the fixture next week and players only maybe having two days or even less before having to fulfil the fixture, it wouldn't be a contest, Robbie. You miss one week's training, it's you're not going to you're going to go down a level not to mention two weeks so it's a real miss messy situation for the ga and i hope common sense will prevail and if i was to give my decision on it i think they should give tyrone dexter a week because it is player welfare at the end of the day yeah and i suppose like um you know the carry carry might push as you were saying not fair they might push the the issue that they want to have a competitive game um, it, I think it depends on how well their training is going. If they think their training is going really well and their their in-house A versus B games are going really well, that they'll be like, right, we're, we're in the final now. We can take Mayo. Um, so it could be divided uh, opinion in uh, in Mayo, in uh, in Kerry what to do. I think it'll probably come down to Peter Keane and his selectors how they feel. I think they'll feel they feel that they can take Toronto, you know, but. If they were to play the game and lose to Toronto, you know, that would be uh, considered a major uh, mess up on their part, you know, way. Um, yeah, oh, so yeah. it'll be interesting to kind of see where. I mean, Tyrone in the mid to, or sorry, early to mid 2000s showed to carry how dangerous they can be as well. Um, but in this context, with the lack of preparation Tyrone are after having and the disruption, I mean, you saw what happened with Dublin in the Leinster final against Kilkenny. No matter what. They are going to be disruption there when you have players that have to isolate. So, um, and I I take your point completely on board. In house games are brilliant, but there's nothing like a competitive match either. I mean, you can there are things that uh, may not show up in an in house game that would show up against. And um, so, even if they did get over Tyrone, which you would expect. There'd be things that Peter Keane and his team could work on for the All Ireland final if they did qualify. Yeah, I understand. Well, uh, we'll say uh, best luck to Mayo in the final. Uh, we won't say best luck to Kerry just yet. We'll just see how the next, uh, how we get, what we, what the happens on Monday or Tuesday. Maybe there might be a further decision made. So best luck to Mayo, and you know, I think it'll be a, a sad way for for Tyrone to to bow out if you know without playing a game semi final. You know, so uh, well. Um, we'll kind of move on. So there's a was a Kamogi, uh relegation playoff today. Was it um, was it down versus down versus Offaly? How did that game go? Yeah, it was a win for Offaly five twelve to one sixteen. Siobhan Flannery with four goals in that. Um, Siobhan Flannery, uh, having worked with um her in Offaly for a number of years, is an exceptional talent. And um, down would feel real disappointed with that. It was a good showing one sixteen, but um, they were very unlucky against Dublin in the last group game. They would have taken they maybe a, a bit of time being added. They had a chance to draw that game. Now I'm not saying it would have making a difference. They may have still facing relegation anyway. But um, yeah, I mean Down would feel really disappointed. They were very unlucky against Watford. Um, I'm trying to think of the other game they played. Um, they were unlucky against Dublin. They lost games by a point. And then today, Offaly just have the experience of being up at senior level. And um, great credit to Offaly there. I know an awful lot of the players and they're way too talented to be relegated. But it's the same. It's really hard on down as well. They're an exceptional team with a lot of work being done up there as well. And um, I, they will bounce back. It'd be disappointing. Down play Westmead next, is it? Uh, down... Yes, yeah, sorry, downplay Westmeath, but um, looking at it, you would fancy Westmeath, to be fair, in that game. Sorry, I forgot um, Westmeath were to, it was semi-final, sorry, completely caught off guard there. Um, yeah, Westmeath just have the experience, and Westmeath 
really put it up to Kilkenny in the group stages. It was only the final 10 minutes that Kilkenny pulled away in that game. Goals by Katie Nolan and Miriam Walsh. So, yeah, it'd be... Yeah, it'd be... I, I'd fancy Westmead for it, but I would not be surprised if Dane pulled off a, shock, a kind of a shock there, being honest. Um, there was also relegation in the intermediate as well. Kildare against Tipperary. Kildare emerged victorious 2-14 to 1-14. Um, Kildare, I mean, really experienced. Side. Tipperary, the same as well. Tipperary were there. Um, same. Um, but, yeah, Kildare, really strong side. They put it up to Kilkenny, even though Kilkenny had a an easy win in the last group game. But, um, yeah, good win there for Kildare over Tipperary. Uh, there were also junior game today, Robbie, um, Wexford defeated Armagh one seventeen to one twelve. It was kind of a dead rubber game as both of them qualified for the knockout stages in the junior. And it wasn't all bad for Dublin in the ladies' football. Robbie they defeated Mayo one seventeen to two nine, and that's I think they're on for five in a row. Am I correct? Um, yeah, you sure are going for five. Yeah, so they're waiting the winners of Cork and me tomorrow, uh, Sunday. Um, it's hard to know how that game would go. You'd, it, you'd fancy Cork, but me coming up from intermediate they're after really showing real strength and after getting a really good wins. So, um, yeah, that's an in, that'd be an interesting tie. You'd fancy Dublin and Cork again in the final, but I wouldn't be surprised if me pulled off a shock and Kerry defeated Tipperary in the relegation as well. Um, I can't get the score. I had it there and I forgot to write it down. But uh, Kerry defeated Tipperary easily in the relegation for the senior as well. Yeah, and uh, as you say, Meath coming up for intermediate. I think it was maybe six or seven years ago that uh, Cork bet them by 40 points. So, you know, it's probably unlikely enough that they do beat them tomorrow. But if they if they were to beat them, it would be some turnaround from losing to Cork by, uh, by, 60, by 40 points to possibly beating them tomorrow that'd be some turnaround for me and uh, best luck to both teams the Dublin ladies they they took their chances took the scoring opportunities very well looking very slick as well uh, popping the ball over the bar so um, best luck to them in the final and just a quick word on the under 20 uh, final Cork uh, actually there's um, under 20 football tomorrow Offaly and Roscommon two kind of what you would consider not big counties. Uh, so that would be great for either of them to win. And just a quick word on the under-20 hurling final, Cork and Galway is on Tuesday Tuesday evening. Do you think Cork are going to go for a clean sweep after into the minor finals? Are they going to go for a clean sweep uh, at under-20 level? I I think they will. I, I genuinely think they will. Now, that's no disrespect to Galway. Galway really showed their class against Kilkenny in... Um, and then back that up in the Leinster final. Um, yeah, just Cork are really on a run. They're after doing a clean sweep of um, underage title, not underage, but kind of below senior, under minor and under twenty titles. And yeah, you'd have to fancy Cork for that. I I really impressed with their style of play and. Great credit has to go to the likes of Donal O'Cusick and all of that that got involved with underage below in Cork. They were in a really barren patch there for a while and to be contesting the way they are um, is terrific. And that coming from a Kilkenny supporter, kind of arch rivals. Um, but yeah, um, it's going to be a cracking game. But I, I just think Cork would be after coming through a tougher Munster campaign. And that's why I think they'd have the slight edge over Galway, but it's wide open at that level. It's it's on the day, but I kind of fancy Cork, Robbie. Yeah, and another kind of pivotal battle between uh, Cork and Kilkenny is the fashion battle between Don Logue and uh, Jackie Tyrrell. Who do you think is kind of edging the the battle on the Sunday game there? Uh, I mean, I'd have to go with Jackie Tyrrell. Jackie Tyrrell. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Don Logue is quite stylish, though, to be fair. Oh yeah, I know. To be fair, but uh, yeah, I know it's that Cork Kilkenny rivalry. Robbie, you have to go for Jackie Turl, like. But yeah, yeah. being go honest, I don't notice the style at all. If you see me go, uh, I mean, but uh, yeah, Jackie Turl, it edge you there. Go on, Jackie. Um, <laughs> so we'll move on to our picks of the week. There, what are your uh, picks for this week, Teach? 
Yeah, listeners might be sick of me talking about power, but um, there's two follow-ons from the initial series on Star Play. Um, it's a new streaming service, if people aren't aware of it. Um, and the first one is Power Book 2, um, Ghost. It's a follow-on from the main Power series, and it features on Tyreek, um, uh, James St. Patrick's son, and his um escapades you could say i won't ruin it because if anyone didn't see the initial power um i won't ruin the second one but the the third one power book three raising canaan it'd be the pre pre kind of the pre ghost or sorry pre power so it'd be canaan um that was uh, played by 50 cent that um was in the first power it was um his kind of upbringing and it's an interesting twist um so i won't ruin it but he wasn't always a gangster so it's interesting that he could have had another career but um circumstances kind of within his family dictated otherwise so yeah there two one star play now i'm not doing a promotion for him but um you can download that and it's only two euro for five months um, so it's really good and they have really good shows there as well I think it goes up to a fiver after the five months but it'd be definitely worth downloading that on the app store um, to watch do those two shows if you enjoyed uh, the first power that was on Netflix yeah it'll be worth checking out um, I just have one pick of the week it's uh, an eight minute uh, cover song of uh, Metallica's Nothing Else Matters by uh, Chris Stapleton so Listeners of the podcast know I'm a big fan of uh, Chris Stapleton. So Metallica did like um, an album where they let other artists um, cover their songs from their iconic Black album that was released uh, 20 years ago. Um, for metal fans will be familiar with that album. So has some great songs on it. And uh, Chris Stapleton, he did a cover. Now it's very much uh, in his style, very bluesy. And there's like an epic uh, guitar solo as well. So... Oh, yeah, that for that for me was the kind of standout uh, musically for uh, for this week. So uh, definitely, definitely check that out. Oh no, so, it sounds class now. Actually, definitely will now. Yeah, it's really good, and uh, he's a great singer, and also great with the guitar as well. So check it out. Um, so we're going to move on to the Premier League. So a few interesting uh, storylines developing already in the Premier League. Only two days old. Um, I suppose we'll start off with uh, yesterday's game and uh, Arsenal. That was a real uh, six-pointer game for for them, and they and they lost uh, quite badly. So, you know, Roy Keane was joking that Arsenal would have enough to stay up last year. Do you think? Um, <laughs> do you think they have enough to stay up this year? Um, I think they will. I mean, their pressure. I'm. I won't even try and say the Arsenal manager's name because I'm trying to say it to myself here, and I'm making the balls of it. So, um. Arteta, Ar- I no, I know I'm going to say that. Yeah. yeah, Arteta. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very hard when the team's coming up from the championship. As um, Liverpool nearly found out to their expense last year, they're really buoyed. Um, now I know Liverpool got over Norwich today, so but um, I'm not surprised um for Arsenal to be defeated there. Um, but you'd expect them to feature and maybe top within the top 10 again but i i think he could be the first managerial um casualty if if they don't bounce back like if they get a couple of poor defeats which arsenal can do they seem to be on a really poor run after um uh, wenger left so yeah i'm not surprised brentford defeated him but um i expect him to bounce back being honest, you'd expect them to have a bit more uh, grit than to kind of go down any lower than they did last year. To be fair, yeah. And in terms of like your <clears throat> your favourites for the league, I suppose there's just probably like four teams: uh, Liverpool, United, Man United, City, and uh, Chelsea. They would all consider themselves, I'd say, that they should be up there challenging for the title. Do you, who do you think who would you put uh or what would be your top four prediction for would you even have any of those teams in it or who would you have in your top four prediction? 
I'd love to say Liverpool to win it, but I think we will come up short. I won't lie, because if we don't make a big sign in um, Klopp, uh, other than Kanate that he signed, and I know I probably said that wrong as well, but um, that he signed as a backup for the defence, we haven't signed any big player. And then you look around and look at what Manchester United done, like Sanchez, um, Man City, Man City signing in Grealish and... There could be a prospect of Harry Kane going to City as well. I mean, if if City get Harry Kane, it's over. It's Man City's title. Now, I know an awful lot of people are predicting Chelsea after signing Lukaku. Uh, or Lukaku. Lukaku. Sorry, Lukaku. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, and, I mean, but I fancy Man City. If I was to predict the top four, I'd go Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea and Manchester United now I fancy Liverpool maybe to come up short I mean Jota showed good form today Salah is Salah um, but I think we just need another attacking midfielder I won't lie um, Diego showed good towards the end of the season last year he will really need to back it up but you're taking a serious gamble by not signing unless they kind of stay in it up until Christmas stay within say second or third in the table and then see if they do something in the January transfer market but um, yeah that would be my predictions Um, I mean Chelsea are on an, an exceptional run and signing Lukaku their goals there which they weren't getting last year um, but yeah, be Man City, Liverpool, um, Chelsea and Manchester United. Um, I think one of the biggest casualties this year, now they won't face um, relegation or anything, uh, could be Spurs, especially if Harry Kane leaves, because I just don't think Spurs it. I don't think Spurs would have the draw to sign a big player, and I don't think Spurs could rely on Son on their own, being honest. If you're to look at, say, a surprise, maybe maybe the likes of Brentford or someone like that could. I mean, they would be bite after defeating Arsenal last night. They may get up, but um, Everton under Rafa Benitez as well could get up there, could be knocking on the door of maybe fifth, sixth place or something like that, and they might cause a few headaches. Um, COVID lottering, um showed back to kind of good form that he did last year he will need to sustain that and um but yeah that'd be my predictions Robbie just a quick question which manager do you think um is most you know of you know maybe the top half of the table what manager do you think is most under pressure if there was a few bad results like what manager has been there for a while maybe or who spent a lot of money or maybe has trigger happy uh owners you think about Solskjaer you know if they go through another bad spell after you know investing heavily will he be on the chopping block or too good you know things can go quite pear-shaped at uh at, at Chelsea as well you imagine Pep and Klopp are quite safe at City but um who would you say is most in danger of uh who's the who's going to win the, the sack race as, as it were I'd say it'd be Arteta. Now, I know they wouldn't be after challenging for top four, but I think Arteta for Arsenal. Um, I think Tootle with Chelsea would be fairly safe after winning the Champions League. And um, I expect them to have a really good run. Now, the big challenge for Chelsea would be when they come up against the likes of Liverpool. City likes it up because they did come up short against Liverpool. Uh, when it really counted um, and I'm not just saying that as a Liverpool supporter they, they did and it's against the big teams that seem to come up short within the Premiership um, yeah other maybe and I don't like saying it because he was a Liverpool legend but if Everton went on a kind of a bad run the pressure could come on I mean there were question marks an awful lot of people were Everton supporters weren't happy with Rafa Benitez going there um, but I do. I don't expect Everton to have that awful bad run of form that they did. Um, but yeah, I think Arsenal manager will be the one that'll be under serious pressure. Manchester United. I mean, their question marks over Solskjaer since he took over, and I mean, Man Manchester United extended his contract uh, late. Or sorry, at the end of uh, the last season as well. 
So I don't think he will face um pressure and yeah, other than, I I think it'd be only Arteta being honest. Yeah, and do you, do you reckon um Leeds can bounce back from getting an L something today? You know, it was a good, it was a good day for your uh, fancy football team with Fernandez getting uh, <laughs> getting an L hat trick there. So do you, do you reckon um do you reckon Leeds it could be in trouble after you know second season you know syndrome sort of thing for them or have people started to figure out Bielsa or was just like an exceptional day for United today? It's just one of those Manchester United days. On their day, they, they can really um, put on the class. And um, will they be after doing enough to win the title with signs? I'm not sure. But going back to your question, yeah, I expect Leeds United to, to bounce back. I mean, they I, I don't think they would suffer second season syndrome because they've been there, done that before. Being honest, it isn't like Brentford that wasn't up in the top flight since... I think it was about 74 years or something like that. It was around the 40s the last time uh, they were up. Um, sorry, yeah, it was late 40s that they were up challenging uh, in the Premiership. But um, yeah, I'd expect Leeds to finish around mid-table, to be fair. I don't think to be facing the chopping block. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, so we'll move on from the, the Premier League and... Uh... See how tomorrow's game goes, the game between uh, Spurs and City. Um, so we're going to move into a completely different direction now. And we're going to, uh, I know we were talking about our, our Trump or the weeks there for a long time. And uh, obviously, you know, Trump's not in power anymore. But um, there's definitely a bit of drama with uh, with Biden and specifically uh, Hunter Biden, his son. And lots of, um, I know when mm-hmm. when Joe Biden was up for election, uh against Trump there was a lot of kind of stuff that came out about Hunter Biden on a laptop and him doing crack cocaine and all this sort of stuff but there's been another um mm-hmm. thing that's came out where the, like there's something he's involved with um uh, the Russians have recordings of him with uh, a Russian prostitute um or something like that something crazy um so do you think this could be you know a bit of drama for Biden or what do you think yeah, I I won't lie, Robbie. I I wouldn't have heard it. Uh, I would have been into American politics there, especially when Trump was involved, because there was something every week. But I actually had to read up. I forgot to read up until before the podcast. It's the last thing that um Joe Biden really needs is question marks like that, because it's given um fodder to Donald Trump and to kind of persist even more. Um, it just shows that no matter what, even if you aren't in high office, yeah, even your family has to be careful. And I mean, um, it it just doesn't help the rumors. I I just I just say that. I mean, it's um, it's a mess. It's a mess. And um, yeah, there will be serious questions. Um being asked and like I was saying it doesn't doesn't help the challenges that Joe Biden's going to be facing especially with the reforms and the stimulus and all of that that he's trying to put in um with the pandemic and that but um yeah it's just it's given fire to um Donald Trump which who hasn't gone away at all he's still doing rallies and all of that um but yeah, when you're when you're connected to high office, you have to be very very careful. And I mean, any connections at all, even if they're true or not, mm-hmm. um, say about connections with the Russians or whatever, I can't say whether they're true or false. You just don't give any fodder to feed the fire. Like it's as simple as that. Yeah, but do you not think if it was <clears throat> if it was uh, Donald Trump Jr. it would be a massive story and it would be all over every different media outlet is it not a bit um you know the media treating it a bit differently because it's democrat and biden oh no i'd i'd agree completely i mean even though i have it it doesn't really matter i mean you don't want donald trump because he's a he's a liability being honest it's as simple as that and that's some of the comments he made kind of and some of the acts he done kind of drew media attention if if uh, Hunter Biden done any wrong and reading here that he 
he told it's an article I'm seeing here. He told a prostitute about how he a laptop to Russian drug dealers. Like, I mean, he has to face the raft. A raft. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter who he is or whose connections or whatever. I I would favor the Democrats over the Republicans. Like I was saying, it doesn't matter to me. But I just like the 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 Democrats mm-hmm. likes of Bill Clinton. I think he done a lot of good, especially for Ireland. Barack Obama, Irish connections, and Joe Biden as well. Yeah, you would kind of favor him. But if there's any wrongdoing at all, the the questions have to be answered, and whether there's sanctions or whatever, or even um criminal charges or whatever directed towards him he has to face him and it doesn't matter who he's connected going back to your question about media coverage yeah they should be the same media coverage it's as simple as that it doesn't matter um i mean the likes of say news channels that it favored the democrats didn't mind um questioning donald trump and his family over uh acts they don't they they can't be slow questioning hunter biden because He's Joe Biden's son either and a Democrat. So if there are questions to be faced, it'd have to be faced the exact same as Donald Trump's family would have. Yeah, that's a fair point, but they probably won't though, to be fair. No, um, no, being honest. Fox <laughs> News, maybe they will. Um, but yeah, I mean, the likes of CNN that, and all of that, that'd be Democrat leading. They have to ask the questions and that's where... Um, the freedom of the press has to come in. I mean, they has to be a fair and equitable media. And that's um, if people in other countries and media outlets have to stand by that, it, they have to be consistent. And um, it's the same here in Ireland. There used to be Fianna Fáil papers. There used to be Fianna Gael papers. That's kind of disappearing a bit now. But if questions have to be asked, they have to be asked and um, answers have to be given. And if the answers aren't right are there sanctions to be faced that it has to be covered the same as it would be for anyone else like donald trump's family yeah that's a fair point and um you know i think in american media a lot it's very you know left and right or conservative versus democrat you know but you could argue that in this country it's just the one we just they're all democrats you know (laughs) yeah so like we're only getting the the one side of the argument. So a lot of people would say, oh, you know, in America, it's it's left versus right and all that sort of stuff. And maybe it's not a theater and it's like a bit of a, you know, a sideshow to distract people and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think in Ireland, we have very much just one point of view <laughs> and any, any other point of view is, um, you know, extinguished or treated quite harshly as well, you know? So, and I'm very up for uh, open discourse and that sort of thing, you know? So, yeah, but I think, you know, it's very hard to come up with something that's as happy uh, as, or no, as um, as catchy as uh, Trump of the Week for Biden. So, I don't know, watch this space. Maybe we'll try and uh, we'll try and pick up something for Biden as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> riding with Biden. <laughs> riding with Biden, yeah. Or, or riding with Hunter, maybe. I don't know. Uh, cool. So, we're going to go on to the, the World Sports Roundup. So, uh, what do you have for me this week, Teej? Yeah, I um the first one has to be the All Blacks victory over Australia in the Bledslow Cup. I mean, they absolutely annihilated them 57-22 and that's uh, New Zealand's 19 straight um victory over Australia. Um it it, it kind of just shows the kind of the difference. I mean, you have South Africa, they showed what they've done against the Lions, and then you have the All Blacks. If there are any Australian listeners to the podcast, they may not like the comment I'm going to make. But um, Australia seemed to play a Northern Hemisphere type style rugby, where you have uh, All Blacks and South Africa, they're rough and heavy, like, and um, yeah, it's. It just doesn't do Australia's, um, what would you say, momentum going into the next World Cup any good to suffer such a high defeat to the All Blacks. But you never know those contests are like Dublin and me um, back years ago. You never know how they go. But uh, like Dublin and me now, the All Blacks definitely have the advantage over Australia. Um, The second one is a real interesting one and it's closer to home uh did you hear rob carney's gone back playing gea robbie um yes yeah, seen that during the week he's playing for 
for Cooley, is it? Or yeah, Cooley Kickums. Um, yeah, he's training, and um, yeah, for anyone that goes back into senior. Now I don't know what whether they're senior and in or intermediate, but he's been tr- put through his paces, and yeah, thirty five, he's going to try and make the first squad up there. So, I mean, the experience and the catching that he used to do for Leinster and Ireland um could really stand to him there. But it, it's great to see. Um, but uh, is yeah, he painful back? <laughs> Being honest, if I was managing him, I put him in full forward. Jesus, if you had that catch, you'd be like. Kieran Donaghy or seeing old videos of Bummer Listen or something like that. If you had Rob Carney in full forward, laying it off to corner forwards, I don't think he could be beaten. Do you reckon it could be a little dangerous for him that he could have, you know, some guy, you know, just wants to leave his mark on Rob Carney? He's like, oh, yeah, I, I did Rob Carney in a game. Do you reckon he could be maybe leaving himself open to that sort of, you know, like you see a lot of times with like, you know, ex intercounty footballers and hurlers and stuff like that, you know, do you think it could be a possibility that someone will try and make a name for him, hit him a, hit him a, a slap and he ends up the worst for it? I, I understand exactly what you mean and I know, but I don't think he could any rough, get any rougher hits that you would get on a rugby field. Yeah, but like the thing is, there's no, there's no like, um, sighting or there's no like um that's big, big video ref and all that sort of stuff and I, like I'm, I'm not saying he wouldn't be up for you know physical contact contact like obviously you would like you know yeah, like, but some, yeah. just as someone would to cheap show him you know oh, maybe no, he's on the ground on the ground give him a kick or you know punch him you know in the back of the head or that sort of thing you know i know like rugby is a very physical game but you know at the end of the day there is you know, laws of the game and sanction and everything is videoed and watched and to the nth degree. Whereas like in a club game, you know, there probably isn't that sort of uh, protection, you know? I know I, that's a very valid point and sorry, I know um, I didn't mean to joke or be facetious or anything. Yeah, I know you're dead right. Um, I think, I think the, for anyone to be, to do it, it'd be very low, but, you know yourself, Robbie, they could be one Egypt there that could do it. And if they do, they deserve anything that'd be coming to them within sanctions, like and they are rules and all of that there. Um I don't You reckon he's leaving himself open though? I don't think so, but I'd I I would like to think that they would I wouldn't like to see that no matter what what player it is, but if if it did happen they deserve every sanction that would be available. But I, personally, I I think they would have enough of respect. Other players should have enough of respect not to do it, but say it won't happen. No, I, I can't say. So you will always get one Egypt that would do something stupid like that. And they shouldn't do it to any player, not to mention uh, someone that done what they done. And I don't mean go easy on them or anything like that, but... Um, yeah, they should should have enough of respect, no matter who it is, not to go in with dirty play. Yeah, hopefully. Um, just uh, he'd probably want to work on his loud accent already to blend in, wouldn't he? Yeah, I say there might be a bit of slagging over that now. <laughs> I think there's a, a the the loud twang isn't there anymore. Um, yeah, I didn't realize myself how bad, or so I won't say how bad. I think the loud accent's deadly, but. Uh, People used to say I spoke like it was from Dundalk and then I realised, yeah, sometimes I possibly did. But Rob Carney definitely doesn't have the light twang anyway. No, doesn't I? Uh, yeah, so just for me, just kind of a bit of NFL stuff. Um, so there was uh, Michael Thomas. He plays with the uh, New Orleans Saints and he's had a bit of a disagreement with his uh, with his head coach and he was meant to get surgery on, I think it was an ankle, and he waited until you know, maybe f- three months or four months into the off season before he got surgery. And now he's not going to be back f- until like, you know, eight or 10 weeks into the season. Oh, and they, re- they reckon he did this to kind of get, get at the, the head coach or whatever to like, so that he's not able to, he's not going to be able to play. And his head coach has been quite critical and he's kind of they're kind of saying that he's looking for a move out of there basically and he wants to go somewhere else but he was only paid 100 million for four or five years a couple of years ago so 
I don't know how, how you feel about. Do you think there's like a, a certain, you know, if you're if you're getting paid a hundred million, that you know you should be, you know, fulfilling your part of the deal, like you know. Yeah, I know definitely. I mean, he should really face the wrath uh, for that. If if it is true that he that he was doing it with Donny Motive to move away from the team, I mean. The one thing would stand out for me, Robbie, on that is would any... Now, if he is an exceptional player, maybe the point I'm going to make could be dismissed completely. But would you... uh, We're on about Harry Kane previously and I was on about the lack of respect that he was showing towards his club manager and players and all that, even if he wanted to move away by not training to do what... um, What's his name? Michael Thomas? Sorry. Yeah, Michael Thomas, yeah. What Michael Thomas done, I think, is despicable as well if they are troop behind it because um, no matter what amount of money he earns, I think a player should have more self-respect and respect towards his um, coach and fellow players than to do something like that. And if I was an opposition coach, no matter how good he was, I would be questioning the loyalty that he would have by bringing him in as well. Um, yeah. and yeah I, I think it'd be a really really low blow to do and I mean well I know if it was personally me myself which it would never be um, I, I, I the guilt would get to me I won't lie to you yeah yes fair point um, the other NFL story was um, the NFL bringing in new sanctions for players taunting other players so after plays Guys, you know, getting in people's faces and taunting and stuff like that, or trying to like even dumb down celebrations a lot, you know. So, which I think is taking a lot of the fun out of the game because you like to see the guys, you know, part of it is the razzmatazz of the guys getting up and, you know, flexing after a play or, you know, having a bit of a dance and stuff like that. So, do you reckon that's kind of, you know, like sanctioning people celebrating? Is that a step too far? I, I think it really would be. Um, I mean, as long as they're not sledging going on along with it, I mean, if there's there's nothing wrong with... Um, it's very hard to say banter because you don't do banter on the sports field, but it's no point. Um, there'd be nothing wrong with kind of showing the opposition that you're not going to go down easy, especially after getting a score to show that you're really up for the battle and all of that if it was kind of introducing sanctions against, um, say, sledging or any racism or anything like that, yeah, that has to be targeted straight away, um, especially with um, the tense situation that can be over in America. There's absolutely no place if there's any racism or anything like that. Um, maybe... I, I enjoy seeing the celebrations that they do. I, I won't lie. I watch NFL very little, but what I do, I enjoy seeing it. But if players are going over the top and um, kind of rubbing it in or going overboard a bit too much, yeah, maybe look at something like that. But ordinary celebration, no, I, I see nothing wrong with that. And if they do introduce sanctions, fans won't like that either. And they may see that... Um, I won't say really bothering them because of the money that's in it, but um, they could really face bad press for it, being honest. They take the entertainment factor away for what can be in the long course a boring game at times. It, well, that's just my personal opinion that it can go on too long and if they take away the, kind of the entertainment factor from it, it may maybe consequences but i i won't i wouldn't say severe i say be more reputational than financial yeah probably not gonna lose money but uh definitely maybe make it less of a, a spectacle um yeah cool so we'll, we'll move on um so this one was uh prompted by uh, a post i seen during the week where it was um you know some company are going to pay you a thousand uh dollars or euro to uh binge watch Grey's Anatomy and uh, I put it up on my Instagram and I said you know it's not worth the money Uh, I definitely think (laughs) if you wanted me to watch that show you want to pay me a lot more money so is there any any sort of um, TV show that you know you would they couldn't even pay you to watch Uh, Love Island straight away Love Island (laughs) Um, yeah any kind of reality TV show I can't watch at all 
one thing that I do like watching on YouTube would be say um some of the good acts from Britain's Got Talent or American's Got Talent or something like that. But if I was paid to sit down and watch it, no, I couldn't. I can only watch the good acts from it because I I can tend to cringe uh say watching people that are just they think they have the talent but just just don't unfortunately so i can't watch that and to watch say other reality tv i just can't take to it all really can't and love island to be one if i was to be paid a thousand euro to watch Grey's anatomy yeah i would because yeah i kind of used to enjoy it a bit so yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of it because every episode is essentially the same. It's you a know, bit like Murder, She Wrote, all right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, uh, you know, a, quite, a, quite a common plot flaw I always came across was, you know, they're doing brain surgery on somebody and they're having a chat about, like, their social life or their love life, you know, and then someone starts yeah. crashing yeah. and dies. And I'm like, you know... <laughs> First of all, you wouldn't be doing that if you were a brain surgeon, you know the way. And I don't know, I think your man, the guy, the brain surgeon guy, I don't know if it's McDreamy or what his name is, but um, he ends up killing a lot of people. And also, the main character, I'm surprised, like the amount of times they nearly killed her off and didn't, you know, just lost all fate in that in the in that show. Like in fairness, actually, when it did start off, it was quite good, but then it just became the same, you know, same same episode uh, over and over again. So. Um, yeah, like probably if I was pushed, I'd probably take a thousand dollars or a thousand euro or whatever. But um, yeah, I definitely you know, wouldn't be too keen on it. I'd, I'd be watching it with uh, maybe one eye on the phone or something scrolling or whatever just to, to, to fulfill it or whatever. Any other uh, TV shows you wouldn't be a big fan of? Um, I'm trying to think here now. I mean, yeah, Fair City, it'd be one. I just can't. I mean... I know, I know a couple of actors, um, and I don't like saying it, but I just don't like it, and I think, um, yeah, I, I won't go any further on it because I don't want to dig a hole here, but yeah, I don't like. No, no, it. go on, dig that. Go on, dig. No, that. no, 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 definitely not, definitely not. Um, but yeah, that'd be one. Um, another one. I'm trying to think. Um, actually. There's one that I really hate now because the father watches it every day on repeat and it's the same thing over and over again. And I used to like it would be Murder, She Wrote because as you were saying with Grey's Anatomy, you know, once Jessica Fletcher arrives, someone's going to die. Like, I mean, it's like the Grim Reaper walking in somewhere. If you saw her coming in, you'd be legging it the opposite way. Um, yeah, there's a fan theory that actually she did a lot of the murders. That was the fan theory because she's always shows up when the murder happens. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, 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 like I was saying, I used to like it, but I'm after seeing it so much now, um, I just can't bear it. Um, one show that I'd binge watch myself that I used to drive people mad over be only fools and horses, but I can understand how people get into shows. But yeah, murder she wrote. Um, I can't really think of another one now. Um. I just I thought one uh, Fair City. I don't know if you uh, watched that, but um, I'm joining him ever watch it. It's when it just comes on after another show, and it's just the worst. You know, I know these these guys are trying, but <laughs> whatever formula they're using, or maybe it's not even the actors; it's just the formula of the show and scriptwriters. It's just terrible. Yeah, I think it's actually the formula because, like I was saying, I know a couple of the actors in it. I um. And yeah, I I mean they are talented. I mean they genuinely are. Um, like Barry O'Hanlon that used to be in it had a, I mean was good in theatre and also was in film as well. Um, I mean I just think the production of it. If you look back at say the acting that used to be in Glen Road, would have been pretty poor as well. I mean I know. And, uh, don't be talking about Biddy and Miley. Like that. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was a binge watch years ago, especially of a Sunday night. But um, I think it was just because we we're limited on what we could watch. Would the likes of that get away? Would you get away with it now? I mean, there were another show I actually discovered on YouTube. Um, I don't know if you remembered Upperly Mobile. It's about oh, yeah. um, 
now watching back Dacton on it now, it's absolutely dire. I mean, it's really dire. And maybe it's a thing. Now, one of the best shows around, sorry, and I don't mean to be dragging on, if you compared, was Red Rock that was on TV3 Virgin Media. Um, I mean, I thought Dacton in that was brilliant and the plots and uh, the storylines in that were really engaging. And I thought... I mean, Jane McGrath that played the, one of the main characters in it, say the first series of it, I thought was an exceptional actor. Um, and I think, as you're saying, say about the likes of Fair City, I think it's just, I, I, maybe it's hard to say, but I just don't think RTE have the talent to do it. I really don't. Um, yeah, or maybe they're not willing to to pay the top dollars for you know get maybe Paul Mescal in there or some other top Irish actors in there maybe yeah I know that could be it that could be it exactly I mean if you watch back it's on YouTube like we're saying upwardly mobile you can see the standard of acting in it and it's and some adapters are in it are after making great careers away from it I think it's just the plots and the storylines around it that kind of draw away but to my friends or the friends that I have that are actors in Fair City I apologise but yeah I just don't like it <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough. So it's kind of struggling enough to think of a uh, high ball. So just going to throw you up a, a quick one from just a conversation we just had about uh, about Glen Row. Um, have you ever were you have you ever experienced the the Glen Rose of uh, a Sunday evening where the music starts for Glen Row and you just remember, oh shit, I haven't got my homework done, and then you have to try and rush uh, rush through the. Um, Rush your homework while it's before you get sent to bed. Was that was that you when you were a kid or? Uh, being honest, when I when I used to see that saying going around, um, it I used to under I couldn't understand why because I maybe it was maybe it was young or something because we wouldn't really get much homework. I would have been in primary school at the time and we wouldn't have gotten like that would have ended around two thousand was it? Um, I'm not sure. And I mean, back then we would have gotten very little and yeah, I never, yeah, just used to watch it and I wouldn't be a bother in the world with it. Um, You're always a good boy, you had your homework done. Kind of, kind of. There would have been times that I would have having to, but I used to be sneaky at times when I changed school first, when I was trying to get used to secondary school. I went to secondary schools and to try and get used to it, I used to kind of sneak and do homework at lunchtime for about 20 minutes. Now, I know that sounds sad and that ended fairly quick after a couple of months. But I used to try and get homework done the minute I came home from school. And it'd be the same of a Friday evening if we had homework, say, in secondary school or that. But in the context of Glen Rowe, yeah, it wouldn't have been really appealing to me. The only thing I'd be worrying about when the... The song ended was having to go to bed. <laughs> now I can't yeah. go to bed early enough. <laughs> being honest. Um, yeah. So what was your punishment when you were a kid? Is now uh, what you what you want to do? Yeah. And would you believe I still never go to bed before around half twelve one o'clock? No matter what, even if I have to be up early for four o'clock or that, um, I still don't. But if I could go to bed early. I would, but um, the worst was actually to remember when you were really, really young, you'd be going to bed around seven o'clock or half six, seven o'clock, especially of a Christmas Eve. Um, yeah, that'd be, but yeah, that would have been the only worry. I never really understood the panic of having to get homework done. There were one time I forgot completely about doing an art project when I started in secondary school. And I had to do it at two o'clock of a Monday morning to try and get it done. And then the teacher didn't show up. We had a substitute in and that was fair signaling. Yeah. It was... Uh, so you're definitely not procrastinator then, no? No, no. <laughs> I'd probably be the opposite. I was like probably every Sunday uh, <laughs> scribbling something down, like panicking, uh, trying to get it, get it all done, so... Yeah, cool. Uh, so we'll leave it there, Teach. So uh, fair play. Uh, good chatting to you as always, man. Yeah, would you believe? I won't lie to you. I think that podcast flew tonight. So fair play, Robbie. Great presenting. No, sure, it's all in the hosting. You know, it's all, you know, oh, picking definitely. and choosing topics and all that stuff. 
unfortunate for the listeners i could be back hosting next week so yeah i know should we all bring our own uh unique spinners and um anyone wants to contact us or follow us on instagram or facebook uh two ones in her podcast uh always welcoming the the messages and feedbacks and uh any of the questions you put through we put through up on uh, instagram don't be afraid to give us a shout or if you ever want to recommend the topics uh just let us know and we'll we'll chat about anything and mostly we chat about uh pure shite so as you've probably been listening to so thanks guys yeah, I know. Thanks, million, for everyone for sticking with us and great presenting, Robbie. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Teach. Have a good one, lads. Good luck. Bye bye. Same to you. Good luck. Good bye. luck. Bye 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 bye. Good bye, luck. Bye, 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 bye.